Welcome to another Innovation Forum podcast with me, Ian Welsh. Joining me once again is Guts Martin, who's Head of Sustainability Implementation at Golden Agri-Resources. Welcome back to the podcast, Guts. Thanks, Ian, for having me again. It's a pleasure as always. You, as GAR, were part of the Innovation Accelerator Research Group, which Innovation Forum had put together last year. And you contributed to the report that we published in December. So what were you with the key things that the research uncovered? I think there are two things which I want to highlight, which I really liked in the report. I think the first one, what was thought-provoking was about the role of the small-scale agents which come after farm to processor or buyer was interesting is really that you know you always have this impression oh these are the negative or the bad people who exploit the farmers but actually we don't know a lot about these people and I think that was a really good insight what I actually also know is that these people are often quite critical for the functioning of villages in rural Indonesia as a provider of short-term financing and other needs so I think that was quite interesting that the report looked into these groups I think we all learned from the report that we need to invest much more time to understand their role. So I think that I liked really a lot. The other thing I liked was really that it was very comprehensively showing that essentially, unfortunately, smallholder farming is a broken system. Yeah, Not only in emerging markets, but also if you look in Europe, I think smallholders are facing the same situation. Essentially, they are trapped in a poverty trap because there is a huge disconnect from procurement teams at the buyer side and the sustainability teams yeah and so it's all still about minimum cost minimum cost and not connected to sustainability targets and then I think also very clear spelled out is that essentially due to the lack of coordination Munkin also due to a bit too much of ego a lot of donor money a lot of NGO initiatives a lot of aid money has really not met its target maybe because they didn't understand the, the smallholder, who is the smallholder, but had some ideas, but, you know, it was not implemented properly, not for the right target audience and also not for scale. Given all of that, then, given the fact that you, as you point out, that in many respects, the smallholder farmer model is broken. Can you see a future where smallholder farming communities are viable and sustainable? And if so, what are the key things that have to happen for us to get there? I hope it can work. It has to work because otherwise the whole food system has a big problem and many rural landscapes have a big problem if we would fail. I think what the winning components are certainly approaches which are around multi-crops, not only one crop. Yeah, a focus on one crop is very dangerous. And so with multi-crops, we could balance out seasonality effects and also avoid of crop failures. That needs a bit training and a bit convincing that they should trial for different crops, which are at the moment not so common. One important insight also from the report for me was new funding models. And I think new funding models also important really to look into the sex of the farmers. I understand that female farmers or women farmers have very different needs than male farmers. So I think the funding needs to be in accordance to the needs Currently, it's neither nor, but if we think about new funding models, it's good to have that distinction between male and female farmers. I think very important also is really the inclusion of environmental services into the whole business pillar, which is not included at this stage. Procurement teams need to go beyond minimum prices. 
I think prices need to be fair. I think we also as consumers need to start again to accept non-conform products. If the cucumber is not exactly 25 centimeters long or if it's not perfectly straight or if there is a, a, a brown touch on the skin, it should still be accepted in the supermarkets and not thrown away. It's a complicated puzzle and a lot of pieces need to fall into the right place. But I truly hope that we can go there. And, you know, I'm excited to continue with your colleagues to talk about, especially also the transparent marketplace. I think that is really what we need. Farmers need to understand when is their crop needed, in what quantities, so that they can also do a bit better planning. And if we achieve that, I think then rural communities can be viable and can start to grow again. Interested what you said around the different requirements from male and female farmers. What do male farmers want or require as different from a, a female-led or a woman-led farm? I think the difference is that probably both parties will have very much in mind the type of work they are doing. So for men, it might be bigger investments into machinery or they would always go for higher yields. But sometimes then I understand, for example, women would look more like if you get higher yields, does that mean you need to cook it longer or it goes faster in the kitchen or you can sell, also sell it at a higher price or you need to sell it at a lower price while the men would only go for volumes, for example, and therefore would make different choices. So I think that's how you need to understand the different thinking and the different mindsets. More broadly then, how do you characterize the state of play in the palm oil sector? I mean, obviously prices are high right now. Well, it's good news in some respects. It also brings in challenges for the sector as well, doesn't it? I completely agree with the view. I think everyone is quite bullish at the moment. After the long price depressions in the past, I think we see actually a bit of M&A ongoing right now, industry consolidation, which might be positive for the industry from uh, implementation of commitments. But yeah, you are right. In the past couple of years, besides the commitments, it, it was very clear that at depressed market prices, you just need to do the math. And you see that it's not worthwhile to do new greenfield investments, while now the prices are high enough that companies from a pure financial perspective might consider. And so it will be a big test for the commitment this year. I think on the other side, what I clearly see is that more and more companies are coming to us, uh, Gar, and ask, you know, how about re-engagement? Yeah? How can we start getting back into business? These are all indicators for me that even prices are now up. Everybody is clear that this is a short-term thing, and while commitments to no deforestation and lift the industry to a new level or a higher level is a long-term thing. So these are really indicators that, that the industry takes on the long-term view is gradually changing. There must be the ability for the sector to expand production without deforestation. And that's going to be interesting to see if the sector can deliver that. I mean, there will be areas that can be developed. There can be, as you I mean, we talked about yield. I mean, there must be the opportunity for better practices to increase yields using a land that is currently in under plantation and not extending into existing forests. That's going to be the challenge, isn't it, for the, the sector in the next, uh, next couple yeah, of years? Yeah, very, very clear. I, and I think the seedling material, the good, better seedling material is already there. And we will see more and more replanting going forward in the future. I think what will be the challenges, which brings us back to the smallholders, is how will the smallholders get access to these seeds? Because normally they are propriety knowledge developed by companies. Yeah, GAR is one of them. So that will be the question which we need to work out.
Here's an example of the opportunity for a good news story, isn't it, for the sector? And for, for too long, palm oil communications have all been about just defensive, trying to put out the news fires, the kind of bad news stories about deforestation, damaging to peat and everything else. So I mean, do you think that the sector is still too defensive? I mean, is there a need to perhaps reset the agenda a bit and get in the front foot and talk about some of the good news stories that there are in the palm oil sector? That's clearly the case. To be honest, I'm proud what I see in the past. Yeah, if we look into the latest chain reaction research report that um, deforestation is essentially now 10% uh, in Malaysia, Indonesia, and PNG combined, 40,000 hectares per year. Obviously, that's still a large area, but it's less than 10% than what it was in the peak 2007, 8, 9, when I saw statements from people like Glenn Horowitz, for example, who recognized that. And I think it's good for the industry to get that credit. For sure, still work to be done. That's clear. But there are these good stories, how the industry is contributing to SDGs, for example. The the replanting for smallholders is a very positive story. And we should be a bit more confident in what has been achieved. Uh, Obviously, I think we should not or must not be arrogant in any ways and continue to move forward and push and set us new targets in other spaces. Yeah, I think about greenhouse gases, for example, we need to be keen to move on, but we have been too reactive and too defensive in the communication. Interesting, you mentioned the deforestation rates in Indonesia. The news came out in that report you mentioned a few weeks ago about the overall rates being down, which was great news. But then, of course, there's always a kind of caveat, isn't there? The news came out more recently that whilst overall the numbers are looking good and deforestation rates are down in Indonesia, but in fact, in the very sensitive forests of Papua, deforestation rates have spiked significantly where virgin forest is being cleared. That obviously is a contrast there within different parts of Indonesia, but it highlights the fact that knowing the context is very important on data and and getting the right data and the right levels of transparency. Is that the sort of level of detail now that the palm oil sector is going to have to tackle? Obviously, it's clear. Yeah, I think what is also, again, interesting, Global Forest Watch just recently launched after a two years pilot period, a new radar-based satellite monitoring system, which is now freely available for everybody to monitor with radar technology, which means that finally the old cloud-disturbed optical images are not used anymore. That will give a new level of detail. Just a word to Papua. Obviously, you know, Papua is a highly political, highly sensitive topic in Indonesia. To be quite honest, if you look into Papua, current forest cover, more than 85%, very low GDP per capita, by far the lowest in Indonesia, high child mortality, low education, very short lifespan. All the economic development plans in the past have have failed to bring in the central government and bring them along the journey. The plan B, again, brings me back to lacking payments for environmental services is still missing yeah? because you need to invest into Papua. There is investment needs for healthcare, education, etc., which, which comes at a cost and somebody will need to pay for it as the standing forest is of relatively low value still or not able to meet the cash needs the province of Papua and West Papua has. I think that would be really a game changer if we move forward towards a payment for environmental services. I think you make a very strong point. I mean, a realistic approach is essential. You have to accept that there are people living there. They have needs and everything else. And payment for environmental services does seem to be a very clear way to allow for sensitive development and acknowledgement of the value that these forests represent, which has been lacking, as you say, for so long. Looking forward then, what do you hope to see more of this year and the next couple of years? What do you think we're going to see and what do you hope to see? 
what I hope to see is a step towards more transparency. It's a big discussion about maps in Indonesia, and I hope that we can move forward there and be more transparent. Where are the boundaries, etc.? Gar is, is working on a system where customers will be able on a platform to verify if deforestation alerts are inside or outside. I hope other companies would follow such an example. Companies need to see that we need viable communities in our surrounding. So we need to invest in these communities through smallholder programs, palm, but obviously also other crops to maintain, to keep them viable because we simply need them as workforce. We need them as suppliers etc. stewards of the landscape. And I hope that more and more companies will come along on that journey. Thanks, Scott. As ever, there's always lots happening in the palm oil sector. And as ever, it does seem to come back to having viable producer communities. Scott Martin from Golden Egg Resources. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you as well.